maximize your sense of aliveness, gain new perspectives on health, your body, and the meaning of life. You can control your physiology and how you feel in your body in this moment. Your life will never be the same. This is the Vitality Podcast with Andrea Page. What does health look like to you? So visualizing whatever health looks like. And it could be a food. The visualization of health could be a place, a situation, a surrounding. Just get some kind of concept of that. What does health look like to you with your eyes closed visualizing? When you're ready, you can open your eyes. Does anyone want to share? It can be like one or two words, something that they saw that either came to them or they thought of. Anyone? It looked like you. I love it. Very good. Very good. Becky's done both the cleanse and the detox program. It's a good little plug. Vibrant energies. Vibrant energy. I love it. An undulating, vibrating energy coming in and out. Fantastic. Anyone else? Massage. I like that. Everyone likes that. I was thinking about my stomach. Okay. Because I normally feel my health in my stomach. Okay. Tell me more. Tell us more. If I have a bad health, my stomach, or if I'm stressed, my stomach is always bloated. It feels bad. Okay. And if I'm feeling good, as I am right now, and she's wearing a sexy stomach shirt. <laughs> Very good. It looks gorgeous. Gorgeous. Fantastic. Okay. Love it. All right. Anyone else? Was there any colors? I want to hear if anyone had colors. Green. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Happy person. Happy person. Okay. Glowing skin. Very good. All right, so we have this concept of health. Somehow, this concept of health is quite inflated, right? It's something that's really good. I think everything you've said, maybe even the massage, was really good, right? And so that's, that's an agreement. Health is a really good thing. And that's a really good agreement. I'd say that you're probably a little bit different than the normal test group for this kind of exercise because you're an ubud. <laughs> yeah? And because you've ended up in a health seminar, right? <laughs> but a normal group, if we sat down and said, what is health, right? They might think like being happy with a family, having kids, not being sick, right? The normal life in general, that's health, right? Because collectively as a society, right? And in fact, Webster's dictionary defines health as merely the absence of disease, right? Not being sick, not being sick. And so if you're not sick, then it's to be assumed that you're healthy. But wait a minute, you guys just told me that health perhaps can be something else. Right? It can be green, it can be glowing energy. Right? It can be something more than simply not being sick. So if we look to, for example, the World Health Organization, do you know the WHO? Yeah? It's, it's kind of a, a global dictator upon what health means, and the World Health Organization itself says that health isn't just absence of disease, but health is actually general well-being. And in the clause, they mention well-being of the body, the mind, and the spirit. Amazing, the World Health Organization, mainstream organization. I know, you're as impressed as I am. So how can we strive for that? How can we move toward that? And so the work that I, I try to do here with people is an effort to start to raise the bar on the concept of health. Because it's not just about going through life not getting sick, right? But how about going through life with a really pumped up, strong immune system? Going through life, understanding your body, connected to your body, right? Feeling like, yes, I know when I'm feeling well or not, perhaps by what my stomach's saying, right? I'm knowing when I'm feeling well or not, right? By my emotions. Right? by how I react to things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Colors can have a big part of it, a 
been doing a lot of research lately on the, the therapy of colors, chlorotherapy. It's very, very, very powerful stuff. And it's something that you would normally say, oh, no, that's a new age hippie thing, just like aromatherapy, right? Color therapy, come on. But if we think about it at its root, this is vibration, right? Because what is it? It's white light, and then white light is diffracted into seven different colors. You know them? Moiji Biv, yes? And so these seven different colors are all vibrating at a different scale. And so when we select which vibrations we want to constantly bring in our life, we will vibrate either with them, right, or inspired by them. And so it sounds, right, silly and hippie new age. Oh yeah, we're, we're yellow if you want to be healthy, right? Or we're black if you want to feel internal and be protected. Whatever it is, whatever it means. And so that's something that you can, you can look into a little bit for you. We had this idea of green being healthy. Thank you for saying that because it's totally what I was thinking. I think I implanted it into your mind. But green, what is that? So we're in Ubud, of course, that's green juice. Anyone who's had a green juice? I know I've served many of you a green juice, so at least a few of you, right? So green juice, great way to get healthy. We're going to talk a little bit tonight about fasting. I always try to do that. And otherwise, this color green, it denotes things that on the acidity alkalinity scale are really far alkaline. And in general, in natural medicine, what I practice, we understand that disease only exists in acidity. Disease cannot, will not ever exist in alkalinity. So if things are very, very, very green, like perhaps half or more of your plate, then disease will not exist. Simple law of nature. So if that green that you were thinking about also was like rice field pastures, or like greenery of trees, maybe a dark evergreen, right, denoting really fresh air, things like this. These are all integral parts of human health. And so the more we can just start to think about these, that's all I'm asking you to do. The more they start to happen on their own, just by the mere process of thinking about them. Yeah? Okay. So I haven't even introduced myself. Some of you in the room know me, but a lot of you don't. So hi, I'm Andrea. I'm the director of the detox department here at the Yoga Barn. I'm also the director of colon hydrotherapy. And um, I come to you with bias, as everyone usually does, especially people who can give some kind of public lecture for a certain amount of time. And so I like to expose my biases to people up front, just so that they know. And so I've already said one of them, the fact that I come to you from natural medicine. All right? And natural medicine practiced in the world today is called naturopathy. I'm finishing up my doctorate in naturopathy now. In fact, I just ran over here after finishing one of my almost final exams. And so naturopathy has its roots in something called natural hygiene. Right? And natural hygiene is something that I've been studying for more than a decade. Uh, it's something that bases its practice upon returning to nature. And what does that mean? It means returning to the elements. What are the elements? Fire. Fire. Earth, water. Ether. Air or ether. Beautiful. And the metal is Chinese medicine's uh, little add in there. But in naturopathy, we, we actually don't, we don't talk about metal because that's a, a man-made thing, more or less. But um, when we talk about the elements coming back in tune with them, like for example, green would be what? Earth, right? So health has something to do with earth, right? If we're talking about fresh air that we need to breathe, I mentioned that, of course, that's air. You mentioned an undulating energy, right? That's health. Well, that's ether, right? Of course, this stuff, I talk a lot about it. It's not wine. <laughs> what is it? Water, right? Absolutely integral to our being. About 80% of you is water. Some of you dehydrated might be like 75%, right? <coughs> and then the, the last element is what? Fire. Fire. So some of you said like a vital force, right? This activity, this life, that's fire. I have a lot of that. Sometimes, sometimes it burns me out and my face turns all red. <laughs> I was racing here on my motorbike. Very fiery, right? And so these elements are what we are. Of course, Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, the classical Eastern systems of medicine, right? medicines of civilization, completely base themselves around these elements. Naturopathy at its roots came way longer before these medicines of civilization, these medical systems. And so natural hygiene, again, the precursor to naturopathy, 
is coming back into alignment with all of these elements, coming back to live essentially with the earth instead of on top of the earth. Does that resonate with any of you? Yeah? Start to understand these things because modern human has gone quite astray. We've gone far away from our rooting into the earth, right? We've destroyed most of those roots. And it's no surprise that the earth is physically more polluted than it's ever been, right? That's not only making us sick, it's making almost every single species on the earth sick. If you guys haven't heard anything about the genocide that's happening with species, right? More than a 50% loss in species every year. Year after year after year after year after year. Massive die-off of all these amazing teeny little species, right? Of snails or quails or something else that ends in ales, right? And so humans, right, we're, we're on top of the earth mostly in this industrial age. We've not only built buildings on top of the earth, but we've completely disconnected ourselves from the earth. Like any idea of any sense of where our food comes from? What do you guys have for lunch, except for one person who I'm supervising through a fast? <laughs> the rest of you, what did you have for lunch? Don't, you, you don't have to tell me. I just want you to think about it. All right? Now I want to ask you, where did that food come from? Right? Maybe if you were eating it like sorry organic or you were eating right outside. It was a farm-to-table kind of gig. You could say right there. Right? Maybe some of you. Does anyone live in Ubud? A few of you. Maybe you have gardens. You were lucky enough to pick something and then eat it. Right? That's the best way. Grow your own. Right? But for most of you, 99% of you, maybe, we have no idea. We have no idea where that was grown. We have no idea what quality of soil Right, it was grown in. We have no idea who picked it, who grew it. And so that, mind you, is the biggest form of disconnection from the earth that we could ever imagine. Because this is earth food that we eat how many times a day? Two, three, four, five. Sometimes people eat six times a day, whatever you're eating. And so waking up to that is humongous. On the scale of coming to understand, coming back to the earth, literally, starting to live again with the earth rather than on it. Super, super, super important. And this is stuff that, like, you know, my job is not to tell you anything you don't know. I, I, I never want to do that, right? My job is rather to remind you of things that you do already know integrally. And somehow, together, we can reprioritize them, not only in our individual lives, but collectively as a humanity. Okay, so let's see. Did I say all my biases? I don't think I did. Um, I, I'm related to the earth in that I have a master's of science in ethnobotany, which is the study of the relationship between people and plants, specifically food plants. So, as you see, that's something I'm quite passionate about. Passion, fire. Right. From there, uh, I told you I'm the director of colonics, which means I have a huge bias towards the large intestine. I've been a career colon hydrotherapist, and so the digestive system, understanding what the digestive system is saying to us, is, is a big, big, important part of health, right, as you denoted, and so on and so forth. I think I've shared enough biases with you, but um, I want to speak briefly to the process of coming back to the earth. What does that look like? Right? How does that look? So, in essence, Natural hygiene uses fasting as the backbone of everything it does. It understands everything, even eating, through the perspective of understanding fasting. And so by understanding that, we can then apply that logic to everything else. And so what happens when you fast? If we had to define fasting, we would say maybe it would be to stop taking in solid fibrous matter for a certain period of time. Okay? And then after that happens, slowly over a period of time, usually about three days, the digestive system shuts down and eventually actually shuts off. And the digestive system itself, since it's always working night and day, it can take up to 70% of all available energy. And that's reflected by blood flow to the gastrointestinal tract. Right? So that's a lot of energy that's being hogged by digestion. I'm sure that you have felt this firsthand. Perhaps sometime you've had a really big meal, right? You went out to dinner, you ate a bit too much, and then how did you feel after? Kind of like this, right? Zonked, the food coma. You've heard that? Right? It's actually something. What's happening there is that all the blood is flowing down, certainly from the brain. You ever heard the phrase, eating to get your mind off of things? 
that has a physiological impetus to it as blood flows down literally from the brain to the digestive tract. And so we start to see here that when we give back to the body generously that blood flow, blood brings oxygen, healing, life force energy, right? all of a sudden not only do we feel more alive, and that's what fasting does, it helps people to reconnect to their inner vitality, but we're more able to simply be. And so when we can start to understand that exchange of energy, and so mind you, when we eat, perhaps non for human food, right, food-like products, or when we eat too much, or when we eat something that's prepared incorrectly, or when we eat when we're not calm, or when we eat when we're angry, or when we eat when we don't have time, right? All of this is gonna be stressed, and that stress creates a need for a lot of blood flow. And that blood flow is then taken away from vitality, from literally living our fullest potential. Yeah? And so, don't get me wrong, I'm not telling you to fast for the rest of your life, right? But I'm saying that understanding from the perspective of fasting, tapping into your inner vitality through a fasting program can really help to shed some light on eating, all right? And so we had a specific request this evening, a little bit about eating, all right? It's Mel's last talk. She's been here many, many months. Right? And so she wanted me to talk a little bit about food, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend some time and do that. Um, and then maybe I'll even open it up early to questions. But when we talk about this idea of fasting, right, we're completely simplifying digestion. Was anyone here last week for the talk? All right, some of you. Cool. Welcome back. So last week we talked about food combining. Right? And I gave some foundational principles of food combining. And the first one... You remember it? Do you remember it? What was the first foundational principle? Very good. I put her on the spot and she stepped up to the, the spot. <laughs> Simplicity. Exactly. Simplicity is the foundational rule of almost everything. Right? Zen Buddhism, we think, for that. And with simplicity, we can start to understand that fasting is a version of complete simplicity. Right? You're not putting anything in. Water fasting would be the most extreme, or even dry fasting, where you don't have anything, although that I wouldn't recommend. Um, when we don't put anything in, we've completely simplified, right? Then there are other gradients, of course, juice fasting, juice fasting with herbs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? With coconut water, with herbal tea, et cetera. And then we come all the way up to starting to actually eat solid fibrous matter. And then what's the fastest digesting solid fibrous matter? You know this. You remember? I won't put you on the spot again. I'll put someone else on the spot. Who else was here last week? Were you here? No, she's like... Fruit. Fruit. Very good. Thank you, Becky. So fruit. Fruit is the fastest digesting solid food. You see that? So then, what if we said, all right, I'm going to do a fruit fast. And that's a kind of fast. It is, right? You only eat fruit for a certain period of time. When that happens... All of a sudden, that simplicity is continued. You do still have to give some energy to digestion, but you do have a lot of other energy available to you. All right? And then what could we add to make it a little less simple? The next thing that was fastest digesting? Vegetables. Vegetables. All right? So vegetables. Right? If we only <laughs> ate fruit and vegetables, we wouldn't be maybe jumping off the walls, but we would still have a lot of energy. And then what would we eat next to add to kind of <laughs> dim down the energy a little bit more? Okay, perhaps. Actually, the next category that we talked about in transit time through the stomach, if anyone was here, you guys can come back in, in late April if you're like, what is she talking about, food combining? Uh, we're talking about transit time through the stomach, how, how fast something digests in and out of the stomach. This is when we find how much energy the body has to give to digest it. You see that? Carbohydrates, they're the next thing. So if we only ate carbohydrates, and that's not like bread and pasta, right? That's also things like cooked pumpkin, your pumpkin soup that you had for lunch, right? So if we ate carbohydrates, vegetables, fruit, right? and then of course liquids, then we would have quite some energy. What would be the next step from there? Including animal products, right? So this is like the omnivore, maybe, diet today. People eat everything. Right? We would have to actually expend a lot more energy to digest animal products. This is the biochemical nature of our body. Right? 
we simply don't have enough hydrochloric acid. When we look at a carnivore, they have at least 20 times more hydrochloric acid in the stomach than we humans do. And so what ends up happening is that when we eat concentrated proteins, often in the form of flesh, animal flesh, right, or its products, milk or eggs, anything like that, it takes a whole lot longer in the human system for it to actually digest, if it does, right? Humans today are suffering from crazy amounts of indigestion in all shapes and forms, right? So we start to see that this is a cleansing spectrum, okay? And so natural hygienists traditionally are definitely vegetarians, right? That's coming back to the earth. Natural hygienists are traditionally people who eat humongous quantities of fruits and vegetables, right? The more we can fill our diet with that fast digesting stuff and the least we eat of the other stuff, right? the more energy we're going to have, a la the more time the body's going to have for cleansing and healing. Right? And when we give our body plenty of time for cleansing and healing, it does such a good job that as we get older, we actually get younger. Right? So the process of aging then becomes a myth. It's amazing. Right? You can look at, how old am I? I'm 84. <laughs> Okay, so okay. when we, when, <laughs> oh, my back. <laughs> All right, so when we look at this spectrum, it becomes really clear, okay? And so another, actually, another one of my biases that I didn't share with you. What do you want to say, Bird? It's a party. Yeah, they're like, ah! <laughs> Don't eat foul! <laughs> okay. Another one of my biases that I didn't express to you is uh, that I've studied with a man named Colin T. Campbell. He's the author of the longest, longest, largest, both, clinical nutrition study ever done in the history of man. It's more than 40 years studying, comparing the diet and then presence or absence of disease, right, between rural China and the standard American. Did you just shoot the birds? <laughs> yes, you did just shoot the birds. Uh, and what did Colin T. Campbell find? It's not surprising. Obviously, the rural Chinese people had much better health, right? Because the diet-related diseases of today, which are some of the biggest maladies that we, as a global human modern society, face, they are heart disease, diabetes, autoimmune diseases, that's a big one, Obesity and, of course, drumroll cancer. Okay. All five of these have been actually proven clinically and epidemiologically to be completely not only preventable but also possible and reversible through diet and lifestyle change. And that's not something that you hear necessarily on the evening news, or if you do, then they're challenging it, right? Because pharmaceutical companies probably called them that day and put in a bunch of money so that they would challenge it. But the evidence is there. Tons of evidence-based research. If you're more curious about this stuff, I encourage you guys to go to the webpage of the Yoga Barn and under Healers, there's my bio. And in my bio, I name a, a ton of different doctors that are doing this kind of work. And so when you look at their work, you start to see, wow, my grandmother with cancer, right? Or my great aunt with this horrible Hashimoto's or autoimmune disease or whatever it is, right? We can start to have hope. Right? And you can't necessarily make them do anything. They have to want to do it on their own, but you can definitely forward an article or send a book to them, anything like that, you see? And so what is the diet, you may ask? What is the diet that allows for this reversal in disease and this prevention of disease? Well, Guess what? If we go back to the spectrum, it's a diet that's closer to this end. You see that? A diet that is more plant-based, a la earth-based. Remember that element? We're hugely out of balance with it today. Coming back to more of a natural way of living means coming back to a way that complements what our body is made to digest. And we human beings are frugivorous by nature, right? We know that because how much of our DNA is shared with chimpanzees? 96.4 to 98, right? That's a lot of DNA to share with another animal. And you go into any zoo, anywhere in the world, and you ask the zoologist, what is that chimpanzee? What is that orangutan? 
eat in the wild? What do you feed them? And he'll say mostly fruits and leafy green vegetables. Right? And the rest of the vegetables that you might think about, like cucumber and zucchini, those are actually fruits botanically. You see that? And so when you feed a species the diet that its body was created to digest, and there are tons of other markers here. I can tell you more. You can do your own research in terms of the enzymes in our mouth or how the organ of our stomach works, et cetera, et cetera, the length of our digestive tract. It's six times the length of our human body. A carnivore's digestive tract, shorter than the length of its body. Amazing. And so we start to see that when we go back toward the diet that we were eating like three to four million years ago, when our digestive systems and our human bodies evolve, all of a sudden all this healing starts to occur. Right? And this is probably really radical for some of you because you were like, wait, but we're omnivores. Humans eat everything. Yes, you're right. In some extent, we've evolved into becoming omnivores. That's how we survived. Because three million years ago, we were living in a tropical fruit forest around the equator. But after that, of course, we migrated to the far north and south, hilly, mountainous regions where it was a lot colder. There wasn't as much fruit. There was definitely lots of leafy greens. That's the number one thing missing from the human diet today. P.S. And so as we migrated, we did that. We had to survive. And so humans were so resilient. In fact, a lot of us are geniuses and we don't even know it. The human brain is so large in comparison to the rest of our body. And it was able to provide us with survival skills. And a big one of those survival skills, of course, was starting to see, bunny eat plant. No more plant. I eat bunny, I get plant. You see that logic? Right? Something like that. Right? Or maybe bear eat bunny. Bear happy. Wait, bears don't eat bunnies. Lion eat bunny. <laughs> okay, clearly I'm not a zoologist. <laughs> right, that's not one of my biases. But you see what I'm saying? So we, we figured that out. We captured fire. We discovered how to use it. And as we did that, we started to eat meat. And that's fine. That's great. Okay? Unfortunately, people today do it at every meal, which is never how we did it in the wild. Right? And also, I didn't even add on this list of like, this scale, I didn't even add processed foods, right? fake foods, anything in a package, anything with ingredients or a shelf life. Right? That's way out there. That definitely takes a really long time to digest. The body rarely understands what it is. Right? This is why we see malnutrition skyrocketing today in a world where we have almost no famine. Right? Almost. Incredible. We're so malnourished, yet we're so over-calorified. It's a big, big, big paradox. Right? So then through evolution, of course, we figured out agriculture. We domesticated plants. We learned how to grow things. We learned how to process things that we also weren't meant to normally eat. Things like tubers, these are roots, like cassava or even potatoes. These things can't be eaten raw. They have to be cooked. You see that? So that wasn't part of our natural diet three million years ago. But of course, we learned how to subsist off of that because what did it give us? Calories, right? A way to survive another day. And so you would have women in South America processing cassava, you know, tapioca, taro, Things like this, in rivers, for 14 hours, right? They would put it in the river, holding it for most of the time, or tying it up to process, so that the river water would wash through and wash away all the toxins, right? So that then they could slightly cook it and eat it. We figured out, we're ingenious, all these things. Things like rice, which of course, modern civilization in the East is founded off of, right? Rice, definitely an agricultural product not part of a natural human diet. Rice is meant to be eaten by birds. We know that. We can't eat rice raw. You see that? So this is a really good perspective if we take a zoom out and we look and we start to connect things. That fasting, right, complete simplicity, allows for complete healing. All right? Then from there we can see that a plant-based diet allows for disease reversal. Right? From there, We can also see that definitely the world today is not necessarily very healthy, right? That we have skyrocketing, elevating rates of disease. And what does our modern diet look like? Nothing like this cleansing scale that I'm putting here before you. Does that make sense? So if I had to leave you with a few words of 
thought. I won't say wisdom, right? Because wisdom is yours to discover on your own. Wisdom isn't something that you ever hear from anyone else. There's a few thoughts. I would say that the more you go closer to this end of the scale, the end of the scale that's filled with fruits and vegetables, right? Natural earth food. And the more, 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 more you eat of that, and the less that you eat of the other stuff, inherently, the healthier you're going to be. Right? However you imagined yourself at the beginning of class, whatever your visualization was, the pathway is based upon water, right? and water containing fibrous matter, fruits and vegetables. This is a return to nature. This is a return to our essence. And I'm not telling you not to eat anything. I'm not even necessarily telling you to become vegetarians. I'm telling you to fill your diet with fruits and vegetables. Eat as much as you can of those. And then the other stuff, it'll fall away or it'll stay, depending upon how you feel. But what that requires is simple acknowledgement of how you actually feel. And that's a really important part of it as well to actually take a step back and say, what is my body telling me right now? Because it's so often that we close our ears and don't listen. And so, in general, the closer you are to this side of the scale, right, based in fruits and vegetables, based in plants, the better for sure chance you're going to have that you'll never get one of those diseases I mentioned, or many other diseases. The better chances you'll have of a healthy, strong immune system. So when there's that sickness, that cold going around the office, everyone else will get it except for you. Big principle of natural health is understanding that it's not the seed, it's the soil that decides if something will grow or not. And so if your soil, your environment, right, is healthy and fresh and clean, right, your immunity is boosted, even if that seed is there, right, someone sneezes all over you. Right? You're still not going to get sick. How amazing is that? This, this, this year, uh, this past winter, I don't know if you guys have been in Bali long enough, but dengue fever is a really big thing. All three of my best friends got dengue. All three of them. Me? Nothing. Right? There might have been a night where I had a fever. Maybe my body was actually dealing with the virus. I've had dengue many times because I've lived in monsoon season in, in Bangladesh and in Kolkata, right? places where it's very rampant. But when we start to realize that, again, it's the soil, it doesn't matter what seeds are exposed, we have a lot more control than we often think we do. And it's been far too long that we've disempowered ourselves as humanity. We've given our health away to doctors, absolutely disempowered ourselves so that you come home from the doctor and I say, what did the doctor say? As if you, who's lived in your body for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, <laughs> Right? doesn't know anything about this vessel. So the process of health is about waking up to what this vessel, the body, is telling us. It's about filling our diet right, with this good stuff. And this is nothing new. All of you have heard before in your life that fruits and vegetables are good for you. I guarantee that. Right? That's part of being born and raised and somehow being abundant enough to come to Bali. Right? You've been told fruits and vegetables are good for you. But we don't often understand to the depth of what I'm saying. Because what I'm saying is not like have half of an apple with lunch or eat a banana for dessert. Right? I'm saying no, have breakfast of a smoothie that's four bananas, right? three mangoes, and four apples. Right? Blend that up and chew it over a long period of time. How glorious is that? Then you have a ton of calories. Right? Remember, humans were always looking for calories to survive. Yeah? You have a ton of calories from the good sources, from the vitamin, mineral, dense sources, from the things that your body is going to know exactly how to use. It's going to be able to process quickly through the digestive system and fuel you right? so that you have minimal amount of effort in digesting it and maximal amount of return on how you feel afterward. So I'm right on time. It's been so long since I've actually opened up questions when I'm supposed to open up questions. So I'm very super glad to be doing this now. So what questions do you guys have?
How do you work around allergies? Oh, I love that question. What do you mean? I'm allergic to almost everything that comes out of the ground. <laughs> so I was a vegetarian, I was vegan, and then I realized I was allergic to soy, started eating meat again, and I almost instantly started feeling way better. I had chronic migraine. So for me, it's been like this weird yo-yo effect of going way over to Lots of water, clean proteins for me, and not a lot of fruits and vegetables because I'm allergic to so much of it. It's just like I see stuff and I can just tell. I'm like, mm, I can't put that in. I love, I love I, this it question. It causes so much inflammation. Awesome. So, yeah. So. Um, a question that I would probably immediately ask you, and you don't have to answer it, I'm just going to do it for the benefit of everyone, but is where are you getting your fruits and vegetables? What are your fruits and vegetables? Another lecture that I give is talking about what fruits and vegetables are, because my job, unfortunately, is really hard. Right? Not only do I have to tell you to eat more fruits and vegetables, but then I have to tell you what kind, because not all fruits and vegetables are the same, and especially in the world where genetic modification has gone off the charts. Right? We know almost nothing about it. Right? Thus, nothing about what's in our food and potentially what could be an allergen or not. Right? And this goes along with not knowing where our food was grown or how it was grown or what was sprayed on it right? or what was grown in the soil the season before. All of these things will affect your allergenic scale. Right? And so what are the fruits and vegetables that you're eating? And we can talk about this later if you want. But in general, when you find people have allergens, allergens are coming directly from the digestive tract. Right? It has a lot to do with the porosity of the large intestine, the colon. It has a lot to do with your own immunity, right? Because uh, I, I believe that actually allergies are a form of autoimmune disease or they're an expression of an underlying autoimmune disease. You see that? So what you did was kind of take a step back from the symptomatic cause, right? Or what elevated the symptoms, right? But perhaps we didn't go down to heal the root cause of whatever was there. And so when, when this happens, she's nodding, I think she means yes, I'm not sure. I'll hear after the lecture, I'm sure. So what this means is that if we've just kind of taken away the irritants, we still didn't solve our own problem. It's like, imagine you're a little girl and you have a brother, anyone in that scenario? I, I had one of those, yeah. And your brother annoys you and he annoys you so much and he annoys you and you just scream and you're so fiery and upset that he's annoying you. All right, and then you take him away Okay, what have you done? You've taken away the irritant. So maybe you're no longer annoyed, but the truth of the matter is you still have the problem of getting annoyed. You see that? You still have the potential to be fiery. So this is the case that we start to see there. Does that make sense? And so merely taking away your brother isn't gonna do anything because your brother's always there. There's always gonna be some fruit or vegetable that will potentially annoy you, right? <laughs> or annoy your digestive system there. It's a matter of needing to get to the deeper cause. So you would tell that four-year-old girl, hey, come to meditation class, right? Or come to yoga. None of you thought that was funny? <laughs> All right, lost cause, lost cause. Okay, we were telling a four-year-old girl to come to meditation, no? All right, you all missed it. So does that make sense? Does that make sense? So what you were also doing, which I love, because this is what a lot of the paleo diet today, do you guys know the paleo diet? It's a lot of what they're doing. When you look at the natural health world today, you often see, especially in like competitive athletes and really fit people, people who are striving for that raised level of health, you see them normally today on one of two things. You see them either massively plant-based, right? Or you see them, and, and a lot of that is raw, uncooked, uncooked. Or you see them on paleo, which is having animal flesh, and then they still have a lot of leafy greens, awesome stuff like that. A lot of berries, certain low sugar fruits, and other things like that, all right? And so we see that a lot of common things are missing from both of those because people have great success in both worlds, right? Both of them have eliminated processed foods, right? That's a big one. Both of them probably then have eliminated additives, preservatives, chemicals, right? Things that you would get in a restaurant meal sauce, right? Things that we're blind to quite often. Right? Both of them definitely would have eliminated certain refined products like sugar or wheat that we overeat so much today. Both of them normally have eliminated processed 
stimulants, right? Or even external stimulants that are toxic to the body, things like alcohol or coffee. Right? These people want to strive for ultimate health. You see that? So however you start to change your diet, if you've followed that key rule of simplicity, right, paring it down, you're going to find success. Does that make sense? So I think they're a little more idiosyncrasy to your, your case. We can talk about that. But in general, that would be one of my first answers because not all fruits and vegetables are the same. I can, I'll give you a very personal example from my life. I told Katie, she's our detox intern this morning. Uh, two mornings ago on Yepi, my partner had brought for me a watermelon. Okay, and unfortunately, you can find no watermelon in Bali that's organic at all. Okay, and so I stopped eating it about a year ago. We were living here. I stopped eating watermelon, but he brought one home. And of course, it's Nyepi, so it's like you can't leave. You guys were all here for Nyepi, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I, it's like watermelon or nothing. Well, I didn't want to fast that day, even though you should traditionally fast on Nyepi. So I had some watermelon, right? And there I was eating watermelon. I was really happy because I love watermelon. When you can get good, fresh, ripe, organic watermelon, what a joy, right? So this was definitely a step down. I could taste it. But what happened later that night, right? or only a few hours later, actually? I was sneezing. My nose was running. I started to notice these allergens coming back when I haven't had them in months. Right? The following day also, I was feeling quite unwell. And it's amazing, from one little thing. And that was a fruit, mind you. In fact, that was the fastest digesting fruit there is. But not all fruits are the same, because that fruit, unfortunately, was... It's questionable, but it was probably genetically modified, right? Seedless watermelons, right? Definitely. Pesticides. The water that it was given throughout its growing stages, unfortunately, was probably toxic, pesticide-ridden, rice-field water. That's the nature of Bali. We're in such a healthy place, right? But stuff's really a struggle. There are some people who say that there's nothing organic on this island. And so what was the effect on my body? It was very, very recognizable. Right? And most people in, in the modern world wouldn't necessarily ask the question, why am I sneezing now? Right? But of course, me is my job. That's, that's what I do. Right? That's my practice. Why am I sneezing now? Why have my allergies come back? What did I do differently today? Oh, that watermelon. Right? So I know none of you are ever going to eat watermelon in Bali again. <laughs> but that's just, I mean, that's just a recent example from my personal life, just to give you a little bit of, of perspective there. All right, we have some time for... Yes? Uh, I wanted to say something about allergies for me. That's okay. Okay, sure, go ahead. Uh, I have uh, allergy to pollen, but uh, while I'm not in Romania and I'm traveling, I almost never have it. Like, in any place I go, being summer, spring, or autumn, I don't feel bad, I don't have the allergy. But in yep. Romania, I have it. Yeah, allergies are an incredible, incredible... Um, study because there's something that actually wasn't present before like 300 years ago in human time right so we have to say well then why are we allergic to everything um, I used to date a French guy and he would tell me oh you American it's because you are so antibacterial as a kid I'm sorry <laughs> right <laughs> that that's why <laughs> no that's not why we but he would say that I had been exposed to so many antibacterials by, as a kid, right? everything was so sanitized that I would then just react to everything. And when we look at the immune system, right? when we look at the effect of vaccination on the immune system, and that's a whole other chapter that I won't even get into tonight, but right, these things that have happened to us from when we were born, we can start to say, well, wait a minute, what is, what is really the problem here? Where is the imbalance? Most often with allergies, it's in the immune system. I can tell you that after moving away from where I grew up in the United States, right, a place where I grew up with seasonal allergies for sure, um, I would always have them. My dad would be sneezing, I would be sneezing. We would sneeze together, right? And then I moved away and I've lived several years away, right? I've done lots of fasting, lots of healing outside. And now when I go back to visit my parents, there's my dad sneezing. And there I am, exposed to the same exact pollen, not sneezing. You see that? And so especially in the case of allergies, it's about an internal healing. Most of all, it has to do with the gut. A lot of antidotes are things like probiotics, right? So making sure to get tons of probiotics in your life. They can be from a laboratory-made source, something like an acidolphus or lactobacillus, 
right? Something made in a lab, but also something food-based, something natural, right? So that's a fermented food. That's kimchi, miso, right? All of these cultured vegetables. We have a really good one in Indonesia. It's called tape. It's fermented cassava. I was talking about cassava earlier. That's actually the source of all vitamin B12 supplements. It's from tape, Indonesian fermented cassava. Cool stuff, really cool stuff. When we include these fermented foods in our diet, we are enriching our immune system. Other ways to boost the immune system, right? The use of definitely fasting, right? Fasting has been proven to boost the immune system, to recycle old immune cells and bring up immunity within a period of three days. Other ways to boost the immune system, hydration, sleep, right? Generally being a happy person, really good way to boost immunity. Right? That person who's always sick at the office also happens to be the curmudgeon of the group, right? Think about it. Yeah. So uh, there are many other ways to boost the immune system, um, but all of that is going to reverse allergies. Yes? Well, I have seven questions. <laughs> we only have time for one. Okay. Uh, I have a friend who's diagnosed with cancer, and she's the old chemo thing. Got uh, rid of her one of her breasts, and now she's got all like, stuff in her stomach. They don't know what it is, um, but she just kept eating like processed food and stuff. And I don't know how to start the conversation. I I feel like I I get my distance because I don't want to. Uh, I cannot see it. I cannot you know witness when she's eating like bad stuff. And, and talked about emotional stuff going on and diet, but she says, well, I don't want to go there because I feel like then it's my responsibility if I'm sick and, and, I, and I feel like maybe it's not your fault, but it, you have a role and take it, but I don't know, how do you open the conversation about this? Mm. Yeah, I hear, first of all, I want to acknowledge that I hear that it's, it's really difficult for you and that there's a lot of pent-up emotion. And if any of you have been with someone who's going through the process of cancer and how the Western medicinal system treats cancer, right? It's not easy. Not easy at all. And there's a lot of disempowerment in it, right? When you say they don't know what it is, that's about the most disempowering thing that we could ever imagine. And so natural health is all about empowering. It's all about coming back to the body. And so what would I say if I were in your position or what would I say to your friend or how could you possibly open this chapter? Well, I mean, if she'll sit with you and watch some documentary films, that's a really good way to start because then it's not you saying anything. It's both of you together being curious about something. And then afterward, I'm promised that she'll have kind of started some kind of curiosity, even if it's complete denial. Right? There's a curiosity there that might open I the conversation. She knows because she's so, she's been researching a lot, so I don't mm. know why she doesn't take the responsibility. Mm. Yeah. Well, then. I mean, what I say, and I say this after years of experience and years of doing it the wrong way, and this is for anyone who's kind of not well and you want them to be well, no matter what the illness is. This is for anyone, essentially, who's not doing this to serve this, right? They're not eating for health, rather they're eating for desire, enjoyment, or gluttony, or whatever it is. Now, anyone under that case, you cannot make them change. You cannot make anyone change because then it's a form of deprivation. Right? It's a form of forcing something. It's discomfort. The only way they will ever change successfully, the only way they will ever change in a way that will last and be harmonious is when it comes from inside of them. And so the best thing, the biggest thing that you could ever do to spark that willingness or that desire inside of them is merely to live by example to be what you all visualized when I asked you to close your eyes and think of health. To every day do something that brings you closer to it and create habits in your life around it. Right? Set yourself up for success in a way that you become that glowing, vibrating, green, happy belly, right? massaged version of health. And then when you are that, they'll say, hey, I have a question, or could you help me out? Or who do you think I should see? Or what do you do? Right? And a lot of that 
it's incorporating parts of your own health and healing journey. And there's one thing that I haven't said tonight that I always try to say every lecture, because it's something that not many people know, and so I like to uh, remind people. It's the fact that all of this health is dictated by how well or not our body eliminates, right? Because if we are simply not eliminating our waste in the way we should be, then our body literally will become a cesspool, right? And a cesspool is definitely that soil where this seed can be planted for disease. You see that? And so making sure that we are fully eliminating our waste, right? Human beings are meant to poop how often? Once per meal per day, right? That should be big news to some of you who have never heard my voice before this hour, right? For the rest of you who have had heard my voice before, I'm sure you've heard me say that quite a few times because I try to tell everyone. I would love to say everyone I meet, but I don't know if that would be appropriate. And so the more you can also take on this, this motive, this campaign, and talk to people about poop, Right? That's a big one, especially with breast cancer. Up until the 1980s, even the mainstream post, right? Chicago Tribune, right? 1982. Breast cancer linked to constipation. It was obvious. Right? And then all of a sudden, with pharmaceutical companies after the 80s going a bit too big scale, right? all of this stuff was put under. It was hidden. Right? And if you find women with breast cancer who have had a history of breast cancer, I promise you, they do not go once per meal per day, unless they have a case of diarrhea. Right? And so that's something to look at in all of us. In terms of preventative health, elimination is an integral, integral part of it. Right? And so maybe you could talk to her about one of your poops. That could be your doorway. Right? I'll leave you with that, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for coming and having fun with me tonight. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Vitality Podcast. Please click over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review to spread this work with the world. You have a part in transforming humanity's health. Keep enjoying this free resource and make sure to give back by sharing, subscribing, and checking out all of Andrea's work at liveforvitality.com, where you can find links to Instagram and other social media. Andrea also gives astrology readings, holds online fasting retreats, and teaches detox courses and advanced yoga teacher trainings. So come to liveforvitality.com and let Andrea transform your life now.